The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. This can be found on page 729 of the Church Bible. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be And the second reading is from Luke chapter 5, and you'll find it on page 1032. Luke 5, beginning at verse 1, Jesus calls his first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the freedom to gather here together to celebrate the start of three new disciples' journey with you and to look into your word to see what it has to say to us about the journey we make with you day for day. Amen. I just love the Gospel of Luke, don't you? Luke, as you remember, was a doctor. He had a real eye for detail, and he wrote this account down carefully so that we might have a true and reliable account of Jesus' life. That's what he says at the beginning. He writes for us a pen portrait through which we can discover Jesus, the man and his message. Today we've welcomed Sammy, Daniel and Victoria into our church family through baptism and we celebrate the beginning of their lifelong journey as a disciple of Jesus. So what an appropriate day for us to be examining Luke's account of the calling of the first disciples. We're going to look this morning, if you've got it in front of you, at the crowd who followed Jesus. The call to follow Jesus and the cost of following Jesus. And we'll do that so we can see what we can learn. Chapter 4 gave us an account of the early days of Jesus' ministry. We see, as we read it, with increasing clarity what was important to him, and we learn about the kingdom of God from his words and his stories. We see that the way we live What we do day to day matters, but so too does what we say. Jesus is beginning to cause a stir, as Simon reminded us last week. He made people uncomfortable sometimes. But rather than reveling in that newfound celebrity, he keeps focused and he's insistent that he must continue on his way and preach the good news because he was sent for that very purpose. Reports about Jesus were spreading across the countryside. People heard of his teaching and of his miracles, and they were coming in increasing numbers to see for themselves, full of curiosity, one imagines, to see if it was true and to hear his message. It's what happens, isn't it? Word spreads. When the artist Banksy put on an exhibition in Western Supermare this summer, word spread and people were queuing around the block for tickets to see it for themselves. Banksy's reputation is such that no one really knew what to expect, but they wanted to be there to form their own opinion. They were full of anticipation. There's more than one word in Greek for the concept of a large group of people, but the one that Luke chooses to use here is oklos. Scholars tell us that that describes a group that has been marginalized and abandoned. You might say it describes a powerless mob, but certainly we can know for a fact that the people who were following Jesus included the sick and the blind, the lame, and those who were possessed. Of course it did. Rumor had it he could heal people. It included people who weren't very popular, like tax collectors and prostitutes, and those without a voice or any real power in society of the time, like women. 
Well, of course it did. He welcomed them and treated them with dignity. Although we're told of a few exceptions, the crowds around Jesus did not usually consist of the rich and the powerful, the religious and the highly educated. They consisted of the marginalized, the voiceless, ordinary, humble folk. And they come because they find hope in Jesus. He challenges them and makes them think. They're astonished at his authority and the way he teaches. He heals their bodies and their minds. His words of power bring transformation. Encounters with Jesus bring change. So we look then at the call to follow Jesus. This story is set along the shore close to a place called Capernaum, where there's a sequence of steep inlets that zigzag along the coastline and they form a natural amphitheater. Apparently, I've read, even today, if you go out on a boat into the bay, the geography dictates that you can talk in a relatively normal voice and be well heard by the people who are standing on the steep slopes. That's precisely what Jesus did. But as always, he used this practicality to draw close to an individual, to transform a life. Jesus draws the masses, but he actually chooses and trains 12 disciples. He called Simon Peter. Of all of the boats sitting about on the shore, and there must have been quite a few, he chose the one that belonged to Peter. I don't think that was an accident. Simon Peter was a fisherman. Jesus puts him at his ease by first asking for his help. He affirms him. He allows himself to be dependent on Peter first. I'm sure Simon Peter was very tired after a long night's fishing and the tedious business of mending and cleaning his nets. But he took that opportunity to get a closer look at this controversial preacher man. He allowed him to use his boat. Jesus changed Simon's Peter's situation. Instead of sitting on the shore with his nets, having caught nothing from a whole night's hard work, Jesus took him back out onto the lake. It was completely the wrong time of day. Everyone knew that in that hot climate, fish are best caught at night. But having finished his teaching, and I'm sure Simon Peter was listening closely and making up his mind, Jesus suggested that they put out the nets. I've said before how much patience I feel Simon Peter shows here because he's not a bit rude to this carpenter, this part-time preacher man who comes along telling him how to do the job that he's been doing all his life. I think I might have been. He's been out on the water all night and caught absolutely nothing. How could he expect to catch anything in the heat of the day? 
But he puts what he has at the disposal of Jesus, his boat and his nets. They may well be humble, but they're all he has. I wonder what skills and capacities we have that we could use in Jesus' service. Simon Peter allows Jesus to affect the way he works. I wonder, do we ever do that? Do we ever allow our relationship with Jesus to invade our workspace? Or do we like to keep that part of our life private? Do we allow the relationship we have with Jesus to affect the way we do our job in the office or the classroom, in the street or the supermarket? Whatever skills we have, whatever our daily routine, we can invite Jesus into it. We can invite him to be Lord of that part of our life too. And we can see him bring transformation to ourselves and to others. Jesus calls Simon Peter into relationship with him. At first, Simon Peter is clearly just being polite. He's weary and depressed by his circumstances and really has no expectation that Jesus will make any difference, none at all. With no faith that any good will come of it, Simon Peter puts out his nets as Jesus suggests. And as they drop into the water, so begins a completely new chapter in his life. The empty nets of the night before, the feelings of failure and depression, the financial hardship that was a consequence of an unsuccessful night's work are all swept away in a moment. For in following Jesus' instructions, Simon Peter's life was transformed. The catch that followed was so bountiful that it amazed everyone. The amount of fish was not actually limited by Jesus, but by the size of the boat they had to haul it in. They called for help from a second boat, and that too was overwhelmed. Simon Peter put everything he had at Jesus' disposal. He let go of the right to determine his own path and allowed Jesus to direct his actions even though his instructions went quite against the wisdom of the world at the time. The resulting blessing could not be attributed to anything other than Jesus' will. And Simon Peter knows that. He came into relationship with Jesus. He trusted him. He obeyed him. And he was blessed in ways he had never imagined possible. All of those fish would have represented considerable wealth to Simon Peter. This was his job, after all. But Simon Peter realized with sudden clarity of vision who Jesus was revealing himself to be. In that moment, as the penny dropped, he realized he was in the presence of God's holiness, and he fell to his knees. His life was changed forever. The crowd followed Jesus, hoping to know more. 
Simon Peter was called by Jesus to follow. But there is a cost to be counted in following Jesus. Simon Peter was a man whose life was defined by his trade, his boats, his nets, the tides and the ways of the fish. These were the things he knew. Around them, he could trust in his own knowledge, in wisdom and folklore gathered over a lifetime and doubtless passed down through generations. He was a skilled professional whose livelihood depended on him, understanding his own environment. Jesus broke into this quiet rhythm. He turned his world on its head and he invited him to take a risk and leave his boat behind. No wonder Jesus said, don't be afraid. Although it was demanding and often dangerous work, the sea and his boat was what Simon Peter knew well. How much courage must it have taken to leave them behind and take a new direction in life. Sometimes people hesitate to leave behind what they know, even if it's not working very well for them, because there's security in the familiar, isn't there? Better the devil you know than the devil you don't, we say sometimes. To leave the sea and to follow Jesus was no small request. Do you think he knew what Jesus meant when he said he would make him a fisher of men? We may never know the answer to that, may we? But it's clear that having come into relationship with Jesus, having seen a glimpse of who he really is, Simon Peter had found something that he wanted more than the material wealth that this bounteous catch of fish represented. So they pulled up their boats, they left their nets, and they followed him. He would know his life would never be the same again. There would be new demands and challenges. He would leave his home, his community, his friends and family, and put his trust in Jesus as he followed him. As I've reflected on this passage this week, I found it presenting me with three simple challenges, and I'd like to share them with you. Firstly, the crowd that pursued Jesus, because they had heard rumors of the change he was bringing to ordinary people's lives. People were talking about his ministry. I've wondered, do we share what he's doing in our lives today with those we meet in the week at work, at home, or at school? Do we gossip the gospel in the supermarket and the hairdressers, the cafe and the pub? Do we talk about the transformation he's brought to our life in the bus queue or on the side of the rugby pitch? Do we invite people to come and see for themselves? Do you know if we read a good book, or watch a great film. We share it, don't we? If something funny or interesting happens in the rest of life, if somebody, if a baby's born, if somebody dies, we share it with the people we move amongst. Do we talk to our friends about the difference 
Jesus makes in our life? That was my first question. Secondly, Jesus called Simon Peter to follow him, and he responded by giving Jesus control of all of his life. Not just the Sunday part, but the work part. The bits that are going well and the bits that are making us really unhappy because they're so broken. Simon Peter allowed Jesus to have input into all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Jesus brought transformation. Willingness to live life God's way, even when you think you're something of an expert, brings untold blessing and can transform your life in a way you had not even imagined was possible. Not only that, but it can lead those around you, like Simon Peter's business partners, James and John, to know Jesus too. Finally, I wondered, am I willing to count the cost of following Jesus as Simon Peter did? Am I willing to leave behind the comfort and security of what I've known and loved or even known and battled with and step out to follow him into pastures new? Simon Peter experienced blessing that was only limited by his capacity to contain it when he followed Jesus' instructions. And that gave him confidence to step away from the familiar and put his trust in the Lord for an uncertain future. Our reading from Isaiah reminds us of the depth of God's love for each one of us. Although we're all different, we're all precious to him. And whatever circumstance we find ourselves in today, we can trust him to care for us. I really admire Simon Peter for the honesty of his relationship with Jesus in this story. He really does come just as he is, with no pretense and no reservations. And I believe that's how Jesus wants us all to come to him. Simon Peter's life was never the same again as he embarked on this new adventure of walking day to day with Jesus and becoming his disciple. My prayer for us all, including Sammy, Daniel and Victoria, is that we'll have the courage to do the same. Amen.